Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. I'm so glad you tuned into this broadcast today. I believe that the word you are about to hear has the ability, has the anointing, has the capacity to bring change into your life. And no matter whatever it is you might be facing or walking through right now, I'm telling you the word of God has your answer. All right, let's get into the word together and I'll be back at the end of this broadcast. But godly people look to the word to set their values and according to God, peace is prosperity. In other words, if you've got peace in your house and a lot of it, I don't care what's in the bank right now. You're a rich man. You're a rich woman, according to scripture. Now, other things can follow, but this is most valuable. This is more important. He said in chapter 25, verse 24, it's better, I'm gonna tread lightly on this one. It's better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Now, guys, quit laughing. This goes for you too. It's better, he said, to live alone in the corner of an attic than it is to live in a big, beautiful, lovely, expensive home filled with fighting, filled with strife. Peace is more valuable. Peace is more precious because peace is prosperity. You want to know how I know peace is prosperity, how I know how rich it makes you when you have peace. Think about the price that was paid to obtain it. Isaiah 53, five says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. I think there's a part of the crucifixion that gets overlooked or missed entirely. We get that he was wounded for our transgressions. We understand that he was bruised for our iniquities. We know that. We know it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. We get that. And then we go to the end and we understand that by his stripes, we were healed. And that's healing for your spirit, healing for your soul, healing for your body. But right there in the middle of it was the price that he paid for peace. For your peace. And we use those terms a lot, don't we? Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. And there's two ways to think about a price being paid. We think about him paying the price for our sin, or in other words, sin required punishment. It's kind of like somebody, you're going to pay the price for that. And he certainly did that. But he also paid the price in the same sense that you and I pay a price to obtain a good or to buy something. You take, you go into a store and you find something on the shelf you want, you take it to the counter. You don't get to just walk out with that thing. You have to pay the price. But once that price has been paid, it belongs to you. Now, here's what you got to understand about paying the price. The moment you were willing to pay that price for that thing, that thing became worth that price. Does that make sense to you? So I don't care if anybody else in the world hears and sees what you paid for that thing and they go, oh man, that's not worth it. You got robbed. You got gypped. It's not worth that. Sorry, they don't get to determine that. 
because they didn't pay for it. You're the one who paid for it. So you're the one who put the value on it. And if to nobody else but you, that's what it's worth. The moment that price was paid for that thing, that's what that thing became worth. And Jesus paid the price. The chastisement, and the Amplified says it like this, needful to obtain our peace. It's like Jesus, for lack of a better word, went into the store and took peace and put it on the counter and said, I'm, I'm willing to pay this price for this thing. And he paid a high price for it. Chastisement. Chastisement, if you look it up, is physical beating as well as verbal punishment. Anybody ever been chastised before? By a parent, by a boss? You just got chewed up, chewed out? That's what this word chastises. He paid the price. And the moment he paid that price for peace, that's what peace became worth. That's a high price. And it's the highest price that's ever been paid. And he gave it to you. That's how I know you're a prosperous person when you have the peace of God. Thank you, Lord. So I gave, I'm going to give you two words. Number one, peace is prosperity. And number two, peace is also quietness. Have you heard these words together? Peace and... Peace and what? Can I just get some peace and... Said every parent in the room. <laughs> these things go together. They, they are the same. Peace and quiet. And I don't know if it's just getting older or what, but I have come to love peace and quiet. I love it, man. And I feel like it's, it's more in my personality, in Sarah and I's personality. We, we, we love peace and we love quiet. Just before we moved to Colorado, about a year before, we bought a house thinking we were going to be there for the next several years. And it was a newer home. It was a pretty home. We bought it from some people that had only lived in it, I think, a year, definitely less than two years. Uh, so it was still, for all intents and purposes, brand new. And it was close to the kids' school. It was close to our office. And we had been driving a long way, taking the kids to school, driving to work. We were spending over an hour a day in the car. It was kind of wearing us out. So we were excited to get this new place close to everything. And so we bought it. We closed on it. Hey, we're homeowners. It's great, right? We move in, and our first night in the house, our mattresses are on the floor. It's whatever, nine o'clock, and we're crawling into bed, worn out from moving, and all of a sudden, trains start rolling through. I don't know how we missed this little detail that we lived less than a mile from a train crossing and less than two miles from six train crossings and we could hear every one of them and every time the train would come to a crossing it was the same thing three long blasts one short one and another long one and they came all night long Sarah and I laid there and cried <laughs> what have we done we didn't sleep all night long. I'm serious. We cried, did we not? We just laid there like, oh, Lord, did we miss it? How did we miss it? 
And, you know, it takes a couple of weeks. We slept with earplugs in our ears. I was trying to figure out how to soundproof a room. I was, can you noise cancel an entire house? What do you do? I'm calling window companies about putting up windows that block sound. Why? I love quiet. Give me quiet. It took a couple of weeks and the brain is an amazing thing. It learns to tune some sounds out. It's like this guard goes up. But when... The Lord began to move us here. You better believe that was my first question. <laughs> Are there trains anywhere in the state of Colorado? Because I don't want them. I love quiet. I think more than just loving it, what I'm trying to say is I've come to value it. Value the quiet. We took the kids uh, two nights ago, just this past weekend, kind of an impromptu last spur of the moment kind of thing to a playoff, NBA playoff game in Denver. The Denver Nuggets are in the playoffs. I don't know for how much longer, but they're in right now. And we kind of been following some of this. We thought, well, this will be fun. You know, summer break, we'll take the kids. I had jumped online, found some tickets, and we drove up to Denver. And man, we got in line. And I don't know, what, what number in line do you think we were? 3,640 something? It was forever in front of us. I turned around. It was forever behind us. And it's just this massive crowd of people. And it is like a cornucopia of sights and sounds and smells. And we're right in the middle of all of it. Finally, we get in the door, make our way to our seats. And I've been to pro games before, but I guess I just gotten used to watching from my quiet couch <laughs> because it's anything but quiet in there. And you got people screaming and you got people drinking and they're all around you with their limited vocabulary of things and <laughs> how to express their displeasure with the referee. And we've got our two little ones there. Now the kids loved it. They had a great time. Uh, but Sarah and I were just kind of looking at each other like, dear Lord, this is not our thing. This is not our thing. We want the quiet. We love the quiet. And they just kept playing that, you know, like and the, the beats and the sounds and the music. And it was nonstop. And at 11 o'clock, we're walking back to the, to the hotel. We were going to stay the night and our heads are just spinning. I'm like, you know what? I learned something about myself tonight. I love quiet. I love the quiet. At one point during the game, the whole crowd where we were is standing up looking over in this other section. So I'm looking, I'm like, what is going on? Didn't see anything. The next day, a buddy of mine texted me a video and said, did you see this? It was a video from inside the arena where we were, two dudes fighting it out. One with the home jersey, one with the opposing team jersey. And they're just slugging at each other and blood and, and it's not my thing. I don't like it. What do I like? Help me out, church. What do I like? Two things, peace, and quiet. Anybody else with me on that? Peace and quiet. You come to see how valuable it is. But um, I, I want to read this. So you go to the book of Luke chapter 11. Let me read this scripture to you though. About peace. Well, first, let me say this. Peace, like I've already said, is a guard that keeps out what shouldn't get in and keeps in what shouldn't get out. And we're going to have to become a little bit more militant when it comes to our thought life. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verse 4, he said, the weapons of our warfare, so here he is talking military again, are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. He's talking about thoughts, bringing every thought into captivity. This is the function that the guard performs. You bring the thoughts into captivity. But you have to identify, like we've already said, what's this thought doing to me? Is this thought draining me? Or when I think this way, does it sustain me? Does it add life to me? Does it keep me going? Anxious, worried thoughts getting in are a drain to you. They're a drain on your energy. They're a drain on your emotion. But thoughts of peace will actually sustain you and keep you going. And you got to identify what thought, what am I feeding on? And if it's not a thought, he, he, if we, uh, I went a little fast here, but Philippians chapter four, he went on to say, whatever things are, Remember this, true and lovely and pure and a good report. If there's any virtue in these things, if any of these things be praiseworthy, what did he say? Think on these things. In other words, let those in and keep them in. Don't let anxiety in, keep it out. Identify what it's doing to you. If you could just sort of step outside of yourself for a second when you've been thinking on something and, and, and worried about something and, and you, you go to bed with it on your mind and you wake up with it on your mind and you carry it around through the day on your mind and it's like you're meditating on it night and day. Just step outside yourself for a second and say, what's this doing to you? Because if it's in the heart, it's affecting every area of your life. Worried thoughts are actually affecting physical health. Worried thoughts are actually affecting the state of your family financially. What's this thought doing to me? And when you identify one that doesn't need to be in, some of you are going to have to think back to your BC days, going to those clubs, right? Going to the bars. And they had that big dude at the door and he stood there with that rope and some people got in. And some people didn't. But then there were those times where some people got in, but they started acting a fool inside. And what that big dude have to do? He had to come, grab them, and throw them out. Right? You got to put one of those guys at the door of your heart, at the door of your mind. Don't let in what's supposed to be out. And don't let out what's supposed to stay in. Identify these thoughts. And when you identify one that's draining you, that's keeping you up, worried at night, keeping you worried throughout the day, with this scripture, what do you do? You bring it into captivity. You literally have to arrest it. Arrest it. You know what we call our police? Keepers of the peace. What do we call it when when there's a commotion in, in the town and, 
and people are acting unruly and they're being loud, they are disturbing the peace. That's a crime. Disturbing the peace is a crime. And you know what happens to people who get arrested for disturbing the peace? They get locked up. You got to lock them up. I said, you got to lock it up. When you identify thoughts that are disturbing your peace, what do you do? Lock it up. Bring it into captivity. Lock it up. Why? It's disturbing the peace. Hey, wait a second, fear. Uh, uh, you have been disturbing my peace. Fear, you have kept me up night after night for a month. You are disturbing my peace. You are disturbing my prosperity. You are disturbing my quietness. I'm locking you up. Bring it into captivity. You can do that with your thoughts. And you say out loud, that is not my thought. That thought is not from God. And I'm not letting that thought in. But I want you to notice this. In Isaiah chapter 26, he said in verse three, let's put this on the screen. He said, you talking to God, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So your peace is not dependent on and is not determined by any outward thing. Your peace is not determined by what, how much money's in the bank. Your peace is not determined by how you feel physically. Your peace is not determined by the security of your job. Your peace is not determined by what trajectory your investments are headed in. None of these things determine peace. And if you let them determine peace, you are at risk of losing all your peace. You're at risk of losing your prosperity. You are at risk of losing your quietness. Your peace as a believer and my peace is determined by what your mind is on. That's what determines your peace. And he said to God, you will keep him in perfect peace. Look it up in the original. It says you will keep him in peace, peace, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's where peace is. So you could say that's where prosperity is. You could say that's where quietness is. That's where it's found. You will keep him in perfect peace. Anybody else just like the sound of perfect peace? That's no inner turmoil. That's no conflict on the inside. Glory to God. Perfect peace. And he said, you will Keep him. Is that a familiar word? Keep. It's the same word translated guard. He's saying God will be the man at the door. God himself will guard you. God will be the bouncer. God will be the one standing guard, keeping things out that don't belong in and keeping things in that you don't need to let out. He'll be the one. You will keep him in perfect peace if, if your mind is stayed on him. Did you know the absence of peace is just simply the product of a wandering mind? 
the absence of peace is the result and the product of your mind just being free to go wherever it wants to go. And people just call it their personality. You know, I'm just a daydreamer. I, I just, you know, I don't focus well. Well, learn. Your peace is dependent upon it. And it's not some personality thing that you can't overcome. Your peace is dependent and determined by you having your mind stayed on him. What did he tell Joshua? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Don't let it out. Don't let it get out. Keep it in. Keep my words in. You will meditate on it day and night and I will make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Why? Because you kept in what was supposed to be in and didn't let it out. Meditate on this day and night, day and night. And people look at that and go, how do you do that? I got a job. I got a family. When you keep God at the center of it and you live constantly mindful of his presence and his involvement. And when you do step up to something, a natural situation that, that needs your attention, your first thought is not, what am I going to do? Your first thought is, Lord, what's your word say about this? How do you want me to handle this? That's meditating on him day and night, keeping him at the center of everything you do, at the center of everything you set your hand to, everything that's coming out of your mouth. And you can do this. He wouldn't have told you to do it if you couldn't. We can do this. You are not required to worry. Your mind is your mind. Your heart is your heart. And when there are thoughts knocking at the door that don't belong inside, you can take those things captive and lock them up. I said, lock them up. Husbands, wives, we can help each other with this. That was an overwhelming lack of response. <laughs> But we can, huh? She hears you. She hears what's going on in your heart day and night when you're worried about this thing and you're worried about this thing over here and what am I going to do about that? Don't be surprised if from today forward she looks at you and goes, you better lock that up. You better lock it up, boy. Wives, I'm giving you the green light, mine included. You hear something coming out of our mouths, say it, lock it up. Come on, say it, lock it up. You better lock it up. You lock it. You lock it up. <laughs> Wives, are you willing to hear it? The head of the house say, okay, we're going to lock that up. Lock that up. That is not our thought. Those are not our words. They are disturbing of the peace. Fear, I arrest you. You have the right to remain silent. Shut up. I'm locking you up. You bring it into the captivity. An anxious, worried thoughts, I'm locking you up. <laughs> Come on, is this helping you? Is it making sense to you? You got to lock it up, man. You got to lock this up. Your peace depends on it. What do you do with fear thoughts? Come on, church. What do you do with them? Lock them up. What do you do with anxious, worried thoughts? Lock them up. Bring them into captivity. You say out loud, that's not my thought. That's not my thought. I'm keeping my mind stayed on the Lord. And if you will keep your mind on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. Amen. Does this help anybody today? Would you stand up with me?
Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit PearsonsMinistries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. 